0: Uh, welcome everybody here today. Interesting, you know, I woke up this morning with the, uh, the radio making noise because I set up the alarm, and you know, the alarm's going radio. Going. And after a little while, I've been able to turn off the radio and become quiet and nice. So, so we can see the, you know, when this crazy noise goes around, and when it stops, it becomes quiet and nice. And as it reminded me, the rum that I used to memorize is cared. The rum goes, So it is in Tibetan. But what it says, Generosity becomes wealth. Morality becomes joy. Patience becomes beauty. Look nice, beautiful. But maybe if you have to lose weight, you have to be patient, right? I I don't know. And then it says, concentration brings peace. So that's why it reminded me when the noise is off, Peace comes in, means you'll be able to focus. So, focusing, so when you sit in silent meditation, focus, it brings peace in mind. Why we need peace? We don't have to say why we need peace. We all know we need peace. Our minds have been extremely busy, active, um, especially during this political season. Uh, people become very active. Mind becomes active. I mean, it's a great opportunity and a great demonstration that we can Exercise our right and the choice, uh, which is great, because when you are in the communist control, many of you have no idea what the communist is all about. It because it's almost gone, except China and uh, and Cuba. So or North Korea. Forgot about that. <laughs> anyway. A few of them. It used to be, you know, half the world is what's common. You have no right. Nothing. Nothing. And here you have a right, choice, and a wonderful. We can argue all this. Um, it is a great um, privilege and a wonderful right. But still it disturbs our peace, particularly if you are committed. It's going to be very, uh, you know, disturbing time in our mind. And then in addition to that, we have our own family, health, economic, personal problems um house for in for enclosure. Bank enclosure. (laughs) And uh, and um and um losses of a job and all this uh, adds up on our on our mind. Uh, as a burden on our mind. So peace Joy and harmony, I think is most very important. So therefore, in the morning, sitting quiet for a little bit is a very helpful. Those of you who have a commitment of saying your prayers, and if you could do them in the morning, it's a very nice. I used to do everything in the morning as a kid. If I don't get up by four or five thirty, and then I used to get beat up by a stick on my knee, and my knees get pain, and I walk up with knee pain. That means somebody is hitting a stick. So I used to it, and then later I'm liberated. What the Chinese call the liberation. So. So, and then I used to do in the morning, evening, and evening, lately becoming evening. And when you become evening, then it's not very good. It disturbs you a lot. And then you have to do everything together. So, whatever, chatting with people, watching television, saying your prayers, all things going together, may not necessarily be that good if you are not used to it. So try to get a little quiet time in the morning and uh, take a breath and give a brief rest for your mind. Because during the night, the mind been busy dreaming and uh, all thinking and worrying and all this, mind didn't get rest at all. So the day time, One after the another, like the wave of ocean, every activities, the personal, the family, the commitment, the work, the job, all of them, one after the another, so mind never going to get rest and peace. So give yourself a few minutes in the morning. It was too short. Like, what do we do here? Because we're dividing the, the one hour in so many times, so we don't get it. it's not enough. So you should definitely give yourself a minimum of 5 to 10, even 15 minutes. If you go to the Zen tradition, they insist 40 minutes of silence in order to get a feeling. I mean, it's very true a very short time may not give you, but a little bit thing is better than nothing. Now after the silence, after the peace uh, in the mind, and then the thoughts that what we have to engage or meditation. Meditation in the West, normally if I say meditation, most of you, to think sitting down, taking breath, and counting it. So more or less, and that's the uh, tent today. But that is not really a meditation. Your mind is giving peace, but not engaging in anything. So it is important to engage your mind. So what do you engage? on your mind. You can engage anything, however, Buddha recommended that we meditate on compassion or wisdom. Compassion and wisdom combined is probably the best meditation we can do, but it is compassion. When the moment I use the word compassion, you probably picture that someone is suffering outside and with all kinds of wounds and cuts and, you know, hurt and feeling painful, sort of, sort of you're going in your heart for that. Or thinking about the Darfur or thinking about the war and all these people wounded and losing life and all those, we may go. That is true. It is compassion, no doubt. But today's subject is compassion to ourselves. It is rather even language-wise. I don't speak English, however. But to me, even language-wise, little contradicting. You know, compassion is actually out looking but then we will say self. So which means you turn your mind instead. We are so used to it, looking out. So turn your mind, looking in. You yourself be the subject of a compassion. Why it is important a great Indian teacher who brought the pure Buddhist teaching through Tibet in 1100s, a Bengalian scholar named Atisha. Atisha was asked by Tibetans, he says, You talk a lot about this Indian had that great compassion, that Indian had that great compassion. You talk so many times, but you have nothing here. We the Tibetans, there's nothing here. So what is all that about it, Adisha? So, I mean, which I get very often, in America. They said, you talk about this great Indian teacher, that great Tibetan master, but what happened to the America? What, what is going on in Europe? I remember, you know, even correctly, I remember, you know, one time Ramdas asked me, he said, Rambuche, you know, after his stroke, you know, when he was at airport, he said, Rambuche, he's fooling me. I said, yes, Can I ask you a question? I said, yes, sure. But I want you to give honest answer. Don't give me diplomatic answer. Don't tell me Jeffrey is there, Thurman is there, don't tell me that. I said, okay, what is it? Does any Americans really get development, spiritual development? Any Caucasian? African-American, or any Europeans that they ever had any really great development. And they said, as I said, don't tell me Thurman is there, and Jeffrey, uh, don't tell me those things. But don't bring those translators' names. Or don't tell me Dalai Lama's there, all that. So really tell me one. So I said, well, Ginzeba, late, early, Dalai- Okay, I follow that. He said. So, so, that's it. So Adisha was asked, why why not a Tibetan? And why you said this Indian, that Indian, this Indian, that Indian? And so Adisha replied, you Tibetans, when you see yourself liking the joy, when you see yourself suffering, you have no feelings. You don't move your hair paws. Doesn't do anything. When you don't have feelings for yourself, how can you have feelings for others? Forget it. And that's why you don't have examples. That is Adisha's teaching. So is this conversation, but one of the greatest teaching that Adisha gave is this: if you want to develop compassion, first have a compassion on yourself, your own feelings for yourself. Right now, we have some kind of self-cherishing feeling. Right now, we have uh, some kind of self attachment feeling. Right now, we have uh, some kind of self obsession feeling. Change that into compassion and understand how you feel yourself. And then try to copy that to your spouses, try to feel that to your families, try to feel that to your mother-in-law, and then extend it, extend it, expand it, expand it, and then develop true compassion. The feeling of the true compassion. First, we have to experience within ourselves how I feel about myself. Right now, it is a form of obsession attachment within ourselves. But make that compassion. Obsession attachment is a negative. If you make that a compassion, it becomes positive. We know ourselves very well that when I'm not happy, when I'm suffering with the things that doesn't work where I want it to work, and how do I feel when I have pains and aches in my physical body, how do I feel when I have uh, pains and aches in my mind? How do we feel when I feel so low and down? How do I feel when I'm suffering with the depression? Get those feelings. See them. Recognize them. Understand them. And then have a compassion for yourself. What does the compassion will do? Compassion will look for solution. Without the compassion, you give up. I'm born with that sort of thing. I need to know how to live with that. So with the compassion, you look for solution. How do I, how can I help myself? So you see, the idea of a way of helping, Tremendous scientific way of helping. Tremendous this, you know, ways the psychologists, therapists, and everybody will give you tremendous. But the most important thing is you must help yourself. If you don't help yourself, no psychologists, no therapists, no physics, doctors. No one can do anything. It is the you are the one. You are the one. Literally, you may blame the doctors. He or she is not that great. I've been seeing here for 15 years. Okay, 15 years you have no feeling of getting yourself better. So what will they do? They are not God. Get inside you and twist your twist your thoughts around. They cannot switch it around. If there's a switch, they'll get in there and switch it around. Even Buddha can't do that. You know that. Buddha can't do that. Even God will not be able to do it. Honestly, not me. If they do if they can, they would have done that. They have compassion. They care. The love and why not? Just simply cannot. Why? Because we are responsible for our soul. Our responsibility is ours. We cannot give it to anyone else. God's included. Remember? when we have a difficult circumstances, if you turn the television on, everybody, Larry King included, will say, why, why did God turn his cheek other way around? Why did God go what had happened? Leave God alone. <laughs> Honestly, if the God has something to do with that, and God will always help. If a Buddha has something to do that, Buddha is always help, not going to harm at all. So, harming is violence. Buddha will never do. So, they can't, because we are responsible for ourselves, right? If we are not responsible for ourselves, if someone is responsible, we can have an ideal society. Everybody is equally rich, everybody is equally healthy, everybody is equally happy. You can have that. It's never going to happen because we're responsible for ourselves. So initiative must begin from ourselves, from ourselves. It's very interesting. Even in thing, you know, when I first came in America, all all these commercials, advertisement, they would say, call 1-800-da-da-da-da-da-da. Something something great, call 1-800. Even then, for that, you have to initiate from you. So, why not joy and happiness of our life and the lives thereafter does not have to initiate from us. We do. We have to. This is strong initiation from ourselves initiating from ourselves will begin with the compassion for ourselves. Compassion is nothing but wishing to be separate from the pains and the sorrows that we that is compassion. A love is a nothing but wishing the person be happy and joy. It is one mind. Two different aspects. One aspect wishing them free from their suffering and the pain. The other aspect is wishing them remain in joy and when we are going all out, we will say joy that never known sufferings. May all beings be with joy that never known sufferings. Because suffering is completely gone. That means compassion has completed its work, its wishes. So simply wishing to have free of a pain, free of a suffering, compassion within ourselves—that is key to have a compassion for ourselves. Wishing ourselves to remain in that joy that are never known suffering is love for ourselves. So the goal of the spiritual practitioners are to bring compassion and joy first to ourselves. This is funny. It may sound funny to you, but even we talk about great body, mind, and all of those. And their wish as a wish, mind of wishing, wishing to obtain enlightenment for me for benefiting others. Sort of volunteering ourselves to the work that needs to be done for all living beings. That is the commitment of Buddhas. And those who are earmarked to become a Buddha in future, we call it bodhisattvas, technically. Buddhas and bodhisattvas' commitment is to bring joy and happiness, joy that a never known suffering, to all living beings. That's what I mean, A-L-L, all. All living beings. And that is what we call it? Compassion. But such a compassion will grow with us. First, we have to have the compassion for yourself. As Adisha said it, when you are looking at yourself, you notice deprived of all joy, full of sufferings. You have no feeling for yourself. How can you feel that what the Tom and Dick and Harry feeling out there? So first must within us. Even wisdom, even wisdom is a wisdom. However, the essence of wisdom is a compassion. If ni ni without without compassion, that wisdom not the best. I don't want to say useless, but not the best. The best wisdom is the essence of compassion. The best compassion, in essence, with wisdom. And that is, combination of wisdom and compassion together is the greatest focal point of our mind. That means best subject or object on which you can meditate. That makes a hell of a difference to our life. Rather than sitting over there counting. One breath is gone, two breath is coming in, three is going out, four is coming in, five is going out, go up to nine, the first nine's over, let's change from the right to the left or the left to the right, or let's turn both nostrils together and all that, and it's just meditation, not out, I'm not criticizing, but I have to make a little sarcastic remark so that, so that. So that the best meditation is meditation on compassion and wisdom together. Thereby, you will, it's like the, one of the great Indian masters said, it's like getting two wings. When you have two wings together, you'll be able to fly cut across the ocean. And if you have only one wing, you'll be circling. So that's why having two wings is actually base of our practice body and mind. The what we practice is uh, the wisdom and the compassion what and what we do hope to get result is Buddha's mind and physical perfection. So two result two ways of working, and two bases. That is body and mind. And that is what we are. And that is how we walk on our spiritual path. Never do anything spiritual without looking where we base it all, what we are supposed to do, and what we hope to get. If you don't have that, is incomplete. I guess that's all I have to say. Does anybody have any questions? Yes. How do I meditate wisdom and compassion together? That's what he said. So in essence, the compassion, then in essence, if you develop the compassion on yourself, on the basis of not losing the compassion in essence, you say, who is the meditator? Who is the meditating on what? Especially if you have a, a difficulties, depression, and like especially you keep on thinking, oh, I did that wrong, I did that wrong, I goop that, I blow that up, I did all that, and you're terrible, horrible, you know, I have no hope, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly you say, Who is talking to whom? Who is the person who's suffering? Who says, I'm suffering? Are there two persons? Or one? Or what is it? You will probably begin to analyze who am I? And when you begin, when you finally see, I am not as solid as I always thought, that what I am. You begin to get a dent on the wisdom, keeping that with the compassion together. Probably you can begin wisdom and compassion together. Thank you. Any other questions, anybody? Sometimes I think my feelings—not sometimes, quite often—my feelings override the correct perception or conception. Did you say Tibetans have no feelings? No, I was coming. Out. <laughs> Feeling is—I um, think we all have feelings, tremendous feelings, and uh, what we are also very strongly attached almost obsessed to our feelings and we seem to be judging most of our things on the basis of our feelings. Uh, you know when, you, when I'm talking to my friends like you and in the middle of the conversation you will say I felt so good Or that meditation is great, I felt so good. Or that teaching was great, I felt wonderful. So that gives me an understanding. You're using your feelings as to establish it's good or bad, or right or wrong. A lot of people do that. Uh, I'm not very sure whether that is the right reasoning. Probably not. We do have a lot of different feelings. Uh, Many of them are negative oriented. Many of them are positive oriented. Many of them are wisdom oriented. Many of them are delusion oriented. So trusting our feeling, we cannot ignore, but at the same time, trusting fee- on the feelings might not be the right reason. But I don't want it to create a doubt on yourself or create a doubt on our feelings. And feelings do overtake. Perception, because because you felt it. Because you felt it. Physically, mentally, emotionally, you felt it. So that's why it's easy to overtake perception. Or, or maybe shift the perception on the basis of a feeling. Um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, right or wrong, you can't really sad. I will not a hundred percent rely on feelings because the feelings are totally depends on circumstances, conditions, physical, mental, emotional conditions of the individual. Thank you so much for being here.